Hello, I'm Philip. And I'm Phoebe. Welcome to Dad. And Daughter, Do Death. Hello, Phoebe. Hi, Dad. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. Here we are. Episode 72. That's, uh, yes. That's a big number. <laughs> it is a big number, yeah. <laughs> Can't believe we've done this 72 times. Um, How's your week been? Things are busy, as always. Tell me about so, it. Had an interesting trip to London to see two plays, plays and shows, one play, one nice. show. That was exciting. It was, yeah. Just something that caught my interest a few days ago, Phoebe. The BBC on their news website ran a story 100 years to the day that Edith Thompson was hanged on the 9th of January. So she was hanged in 1923. Yeah. After that uh, whirlwind trial. And, yes. Um, yes, her, her, that was so unjust. Her, yeah, it was, wasn't her it? Her execution, that should never have happened. No. Definitely not. So uh, it was just interesting to see that the BBC marked that Covered occasion. It. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That was interesting. It was. Good to see that her story is still being kept alive. Yes, and, and rightly so. Now now yeah. we know about it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and and if you didn't hear that episode of ours, well, um either go back and listen to it or just Google Edith Thompson. It's a fascinating and very sad story. Mm. Yeah. It is, yeah. That's, it, was, it was an interesting one, that one. I mean, yes, there was murder involved. <laughs> yeah, but not by her. <laughs> but not by her. She got hanged. Oh, spoiler. Mm. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it was just good to see that the BBC commemorated it. That is good. So this week, Dad, I am going to tell you about Antanas Varnelis. Oh, yeah. Who is a Lithuanian serial killer. Interestingly, when I tried to do some research about it, there's very little out there. There's, I couldn't find any other podcasts. Okay. <laughs> there was a YouTube video that was in Lithuanian, so I did not watch that. Very little, well, in English anyway, information about Antanas Varnelis. Okay. So, so be another one with interesting yeah. pronunciation. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Already looking at these thinking, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. Mm. So, Antanas Varnelis was born on January the 1st, 1971, in the village of Daduktkai in the Telsai district of Lithuania. Okay. It was a tiny village and it was very deprived. Um, There was less than 200 people living there at the time that he was born. And Lithuania in general in 1971 was quite a difficult place to be by all accounts it was still very much under soviet rule it was quite a poor country the countryside was kind of littered with tiny villages like Daratkai, and a lot had been kind of left behind by modernization not all houses had running water very few had sewage systems there were very poor villages there were hundreds of abandoned and dilapidated houses just kind of dotted around everywhere Right. It was really high unemployment and alcoholism and domestic violence was kind of just the norm in these villages. So it's quite a rundown sort of place to be yeah. at this point. Yes. So Antanas was one of seven children 
four boys and three girls and the family was quite dysfunctional mm-hmm. both the parents were alcoholics and all of their children including Antanas were sent off to various care homes um, throughout the years Antanas ended up in an orphanage in Viesville which is a town which is really similar to the town that he grew up in wasn't much better off still very poor And children such as Antanas and his siblings who were sent to these orphanages were officially described as being there because they were deprived of family warmth. Okay, well, that sums it up, I suppose. Which is really just a an apt description of his young life and the rest of it, really. It's a bit like uh, Anatoly Olyprienko we were talking about last week. Yeah, kind of not having that. Really similar Soviet-era fallout country with, um, you know, from a kind of dysfunctional home being rejected. Yeah. Very little little family warmth. Yes. So at the orphanage, he established himself really as being reserved and unsociable. He often ran away and was found just wandering around the neighbourhood. He was prone to theft and antisocial behaviour, for which, at the age of 11, he was transferred to a specialised boarding school for difficult teenagers in the town of Gelgaudeskis, which, by all accounts, was like a city to him. There was a thousand people that lived there. So it was massive compared to any of the places that he'd known. (laughs) Whilst at the boarding school, he got a reputation of being a bully. He started chain smoking. He followed in his parents' footsteps and started drinking lots of strong alcohol. And he bullied lots of kind of younger children. The boarding school didn't do anything to change his nature. He continued to steal and be involved in petty theft and crime. The school wasn't able to teach him either, describing him as showing no academic inclination whatsoever. Oh. So after leaving school, the government provided Antanas with a workplace and somewhere to live, which um, was common practice in the Soviet Union. So he was also provided the opportunity to study at an agricultural school, which was on the Russian border. But um, he very quickly abandoned that and showed very little interest in, in pursuing that way of life. In August 1987, so he was 16 at this point, Antanas was first convicted of stealing 12 bottles of beer and a chicken from a grocery store. He underwent an examination in a psychiatric hospital uh, where he was diagnosed with a mild intellectual disability with pronounced psychopathic tendencies, but he was judged competent to stand trial. Okay, just just have a look at that a second. So he was psychometrically analysed for stealing a chicken and two bottles of beer. Yes. Yes, he was. <laughs> okay, that but, seems um, a bit of an overreaction. To determine yeah. whether or not he could stand trial, trial for, for that. All right, okay. Maybe it's because he was 16, because he was still a Maybe. child. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. he was sentenced to two years and three months in an educational colony. And I'm not entirely sure what an educational colony is. I don't know if it's more like a kind of like juvenile prison sort of thing. Could be, yeah. Rather than, you know, a boarding school, sort of <laughs> rather like a, than like a, an actual prison. A work camp. Sort of. Yeah, mm. but educational. But the sentence was commuted, so he oh. didn't have to go to prison, which okay. was, yay! However, a few months later, he robbed a passerby stealing his wallet, and because of that, he was sentenced to four years in actual prison ah. in Pravienskis. Okay. And he was released on January the 14th, 1992. 
So in that time that he, those four years he'd been in prison were quite a changing time for Lithuania Mm -hmm. because in 1988, they kind of started their steps to become independent. Um, and then by 1991, they were declared independent. So despite the Soviet army trying to take back control, Lithuania was now an independent country when he was released. And so the landscape was quite different and there was a lot of different communities and different neighborhoods than he'd and a different system than when he'd gone into prison and even a different currency than when he'd uh, gone to prison in some ways so after his release he lived with an acquaintance from the orphanage but they soon fell out and he left and he found his elder brother Pranas who was working on a private farm in Gelgaudiskis which is where he was at the orphanage and there, according to eyewitnesses, he was, quote, parasitic, living off his brother and um, his mm-hmm. brother's money, abusing alcohol, smoking cigarettes, not really doing any work. And the farm owners at the farm where his brother lived got uh, tired of his behaviour and threw him and his brother out. So he right. caused his brother to lose his job. But before leaving the town, 21-year-old Antana spotted a 13-year-old girl on her way to the shops, cutting through the woods. And the girl spotted him and he just let her pass, but she was kind of creeped out by him and she turned around to run home. But as she was on her way home, he approached her and ordered her to stop and accused her of stealing his bike. But she knew she hadn't, so she carried on her way, at which point he pulled a knife on her and attempted to rape her. She began to scream that someone was coming and he fled. So he's starting to kind of escalate his crimes a little bit at this point. As him and his brother had nowhere to live and no work to earn any money, they kind of wandered the countryside on foot, moving from tiny village to tiny village, stealing and sleeping wherever they could in the many abandoned houses that were there. And one of these kind of crimes that they were committing all the time um, was a burglary on a a forester's house in the Sakai district, which led to his brother Pranas being arrested and imprisoned. Oh, okay. But Antanas got away with it. So he now was on his own, didn't still didn't have anywhere to live, didn't have any money, and he didn't have his brother to kind of stop his bad behaviour, <laughs> and his crimes became more depraved. On July the 28th, 1992, Antanas committed his first murder. What? He later, so that is seven months after he was released from prison. Yep. So relatively quickly after that time, yeah. he started killing people. So he later recounted his murder. And um, in his own words, he said, I stood in the yard for a while and found a pole, maybe two meters long and knocked on the door. When the old man opened it, I gave him about three or four whacks in the head. Since he didn't fall, I hit his chest and abdomen a few more times. Only then did he fall, but he was still alive. Taking him by the armpits, I dragged him into the house and left him lying on his side. When I started looking for money, I found about 2,000 rubles under the pillow in various banknotes. I took a harmonica and some writing from under the bed. Now, I don't remember that note and I've lost the harmonica somewhere. As I walked (laughs) down the hall, I saw a pile of rags and set it on fire. I took his old bike and rode away, but I had to throw it away quickly because it was almost impossible to ride it. Why did I kill? I was angry at him. He would not allow me to live with him. I didn't plan to steal the bike. I just wanted to get out of that place sooner. 
I don't know if that man was still alive when the house burnt down. So his first victim was just a lonely 70-year-old man who he beat to death. And if my uh, Googling and maths is right, <laughs> stole, stole the equivalent of about £5. Mm. And a harmonica. And a harmonica, which he's since lost. So not a huge amount of money. Antanas escaped, travelling on foot, avoiding larger towns and villages and sleeping in barns to avoid the police um, who were hunting for the killer of this poor old man. The police arrested six different men in connection to this trial, yeah. but they all had alibis. So, And by this time, Antanas had totally moved on, travelling by foot, hiding in the forest, and the police were not the wiser. Less than a month later, Antanas committed his second murder, 100 miles away in the Telzai district, so quite a long way away from where he was. Yeah. The victim, again, was another lonely pensioner. He mm -hmm. attacked them, and whilst he was waiting for the pensioner to die, he cooked himself a meal using their food and their kitchen. He stole 12,000 rubles and some household items. Again, not a huge amount of money. 30, 40 pounds, maybe? Which he then... And some, the household items which he went on to sell. Mm -hmm. The police initially failed to connect these two murders, but they did get a photo fit of Antanas from the two brothers who sold the house old items to. So oh, okay. they realised that after the second murder and he'd sold on these items, they asked the, the brothers who he'd sold them to and they were, he was able to say, oh, this is what he looked like. They described that he had tattoos on his chest, full sleeve tattoos, and introduced himself as Antanas, which seems like a really silly thing to do. But hey. <laughs> if that's your name, yes. Yeah. He was still travelling uh, you know, village to village by foot, <laughs> covering a lot of miles. Sure. And by the end of August 1992, so about six weeks after his first murder, he arrived in another small town that once had a thriving Jewish population, but it had been totally massacred in 1941 by the Gruppen and the Lithuanian collaborators. Okay. So what was once a real kind of thriving time was now the, the town was now this, another sort of dilapidated place yeah. full of empty buildings. Once upon arriving at the town, he um met up with an old friend who he had a, a, who he knew from the orphanage, who yeah. got him a job on a local farm. So maybe he was gonna turn his life around. And this lasted for two months. And um he was remembered by locals at the time as being quite a handsome man. And he went to like the discos that were put on in the town. He met many girls. But he wasn't very very wealthy at all, obviously, because he was stealing tiny amounts of money from people. And apparently he didn't have very good personal hygiene. But most accounts of him have said that he was really quite charming. And it was that same sort of charm that he was able to gain his victim's trust and get into their houses. And that same sort of superficial charm that most psychopaths tend to yeah. display. I've read somewhere recently a sort of a definition of traits of psychopaths versus sociopaths. But yeah. Psychopaths is just doesn't think about any, anybody else, do they, at all? And they're totally kind of focused on their end and everything like that they want to get done. They don't consider anything else at all. Psychopath, antisocial behaviour, superficial charm. Mm -hmm. It was when you said charm, you know, uh, okay. that made me uh, think about it. Lack of emotion, lack of guilt, narcissism, impulsivity, lack of empathy, parasitic lifestyle, and poor behavioural control. So, yeah. He's pretty textbook, really, isn't he? 
The core difference between psychopathic and sociopathic serial killers is that psychopaths tend to be more organized, while sociopaths are considered disorganized. A sociopath, impulsive, prone to violent outbursts, below average intelligence, unskilled worker, often sexually inadequate, harsh, abusive upbringing, lives alone, depersonalizes their victims to see them as objects. Kills during window opportunity, often doesn't conceal the victim's body post-mortem, does not fully realise the severity of their actions. Interesting. Whereas a psychopath takes trophies from their victims and takes additional effort to remove all forensic evidence. So, yeah, it looks like psycho mm. psychopaths are much more, cons- more thought into it. Yeah. yeah. Just two and a half months after this last killing, in July... He murdered again on Halloween night. He broke into the house of another vulnerable elderly person, this time an 86-year-old. He struck the man multiple times in the head with an axe and robbed his house. And the victim remained alive in hospital for a week before he died. This time he was really close to being caught because as the victim lay dying, Antanas decided to cook himself another meal in his kitchen. He was cooking eggs and the victim's um, relative came round and knocked on the door. And Antana spoke with the relative and said that he was helping the old man with some housework and that he was living with some neighbours. But the relative was instantly suspicious. So he went to check with the neighbour. And whilst the relative went next door, Antanas escaped. The relative returned to see that Antanas was no longer there. And there was a barn on the property, which was never locked. It was always kept open. And he could see that it had all been sort of like shut up and bolted mm-hmm. and padlocked and he thought that was weird so they broke down the lock and the his elderly relative was in the barn lying in a pile of manure with the axe wounds and the axe was kind of placed at his side so Antanas had sort of like posed him in a horrific way for his relative to find him Antanas fled into the forest again and then watched from the distance and enjoyed kind of seeing all the commotion and the fallout happened from this and wow. was getting some sort of thrill from watching everything happen just two weeks later despite almost being caught he killed again and true to his form he's targeted another pensioner he struck her in the head nine times with another axe and stole whatever he could from the house this time it was a bicycle a raincoat a coffee grinder hairspray several bottles of homemade wine and some groceries he stayed in the house and he lived there for at least a day with the victim's body before he fled. And her body was undiscovered for a week before it was. And when it was finally discovered, they found her body had been laid out and covered in straw, but she was unrecognisable from rat bites to her face. And they could see that there was a bed that had been made up next to the victim where he'd clearly been sleeping. So he's really starting to kind of enjoy this and what he's doing and really Mm -hmm. getting some sort of thrill about getting away with it and enjoying spending time with these dead bodies over the next two weeks he continued to break into houses and attempted to kill two more people in separate incidents a 48 year old man who he struck with an axe and stole his motorbike and a 69 year old woman who he stole six thousand talonas from because now the currency has changed right talonas was the currency they used in between going from rubles to whatever they have now (laughs) The liter, I think it's called. So Talonas was that kind of middle currency. And again, if my maths and Googling is right, <laughs> I make that out to be about £1,800. Okay. So that's quite a lot of money 
it's sort compared of, to what he was stealing. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's about eighteen hundred pounds, which is, is quite a lot of money, really. Mm. Um, yeah. On December the fifth, in the village of Kerivai, Antanas killed two women: a ninety-year-old woman and her sixty-eight-year-old daughter-in-law. And he remained in the house overnight, drinking their champagne. And as he left, he sold several bottles of alcohol, two watches, two gold wedding rings, groceries, and about 15,000 talonas, which um, I think is about £4,500. Okay. It's quite a lot of money. Um, and the what, daughter-in-law... And what, what, year, what year? This is 1992. 1992, okay. So the daughter-in-law was found alive, but she died later in hospital. Four days after the murder, his photo was shown on TV and published by newspapers asking the public for information. Not entirely sure where they got his photo from, but hmm. someone that obviously kind of cottoned on to him. Brother? Or... Could have been, yeah. Upon learning that he was wanted, he changed his tactics. He only moved at night and he would sleep in abandoned houses or barns during the day. Obviously, lots of them, as we've already mentioned. And the officials looking for him dubbed him the angel-faced killer. Because huh. he was relatively good looking, and also the fact that he was still only twenty one at this mm-hmm. point, he was very, very young. Yeah. Um. The army and the police combined forces, and they worked together combing the forest and the countryside looking for him. But they just couldn't find him. He'd gotten so good at moving around by foot and not being found that it took them a relatively long time to find him. He headed towards Vilnius from where he planned to escape the country. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the evening of December the 21st, 1992, he was identified by locals in the village of Muniskyai. And they identified him based on his tattoos, um, which the police had been saying, you know, we know that this bloke who's been selling stuff has got his tattoos and we think he's linked together. Despite the police telling them not to approach him, the locals apprehended him and they severely beat him up before handing him over to the police in quite a state. He immediately confessed to the murders and robberies, but not to the attempted rape from earlier in the year, because this had all happened really in the space or since July. So January. So in the everything had happened within that last year. He underwent uh, another forensic psychiatric examination. But they said that he was totally competent to stand trial. And at the trial, his defence really focused on his disability. So, you know, the fact that he was kind of deemed earlier on to be a bit intellectually disabled and the fact that he'd had a really difficult childhood and the fact that he'd confessed and cooperated with the police. And his attorney had asked for a second psychiatric examination to try and get him off on diminished responsibility, but Antanis refused. In his final statement, he asked the court... So that taking into account all of the things that he'd be sentenced to life in prison. However, on the 1st of February 1994, he was found guilty of all of his charges. He was 23 by this point, but he was sentenced to be executed by firing squad. His clemency petition was rejected um, and he was executed on the 28th of September 1994 in Vilnius. Oh, gosh. He went through with it. Yeah. So he was one of only seven people who was executed between Lithuania being made independent and them abolishing the death penalty. Okay. All of whom that were executed by firing squad. So. Wow. Before his execution, he showed no remorse and asked why he targeted the elderly. He only said it was because it was easier. And when asked why he killed them, he simply said he needed money and food. He was buried in the Karvaliskis Cemetery 
in the section for those unclaimed by their relatives. So there's no mention of what happened to his mum and dad. I'm assuming they're probably still alive because he wasn't very old and none of his six brothers and sisters wanted to claim him. And yeah, that is the story of Antanas Varnellis. Wow. Yeah, a few similarities there with with mm. uh, Anatoly Onoprienko that we talked about last week. Yeah. Eastern, Eastern European. European. Yeah, and uh, both were sentenced to death by firing yeah. squad, except that in the Ukraine they, they abolished mm. capital punishment before that actually happened. But Wow. Yeah, so do you have any pictures of this handsome serial killer? Yes, there are some photos of him, and he's relatively handsome. In the, there's definitely worse-looking serial killers. Okay. Very young-looking, relatively handsome, but a serial killer. So. Yep. <laughs> yes, his life was uh, doomed, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it's that whole sort of... I think there's a lot of people who are brought up in similar situations who don't become serial killers. Well, like his brothers and sisters. Like his brothers and sisters. But it's not a particularly uh, good start in life for anybody, is it? So, Um, yeah, I will put some photos on Instagram. At Dad and Daughter Do Death. I'll put some on Facebook. Dad and Daughter Do Death. And if you want to get in touch with us about this uh, story or any others you can email us dad and daughter do death at gmail.com thank you so much for listening hopefully you found this interesting yeah thank you phoebe and an interesting story yeah and we'd love to hear from you however however you want to get in touch with us so uh please do let us know your thoughts yes it'd be really lovely to hear from you next week we'll have another interesting true crime story for you so join us then when once again dad and daughter do death